to address the issues facing Tennesseans today. From 10 News, this is Inside Tennessee. You're live. Sure. Good morning and welcome to Inside Tennessee. I'm your moderator, John Becker. Who's in charge in Knox County? Leaders appear to make some headway this week and answer that question. And here to talk about a pension lawsuit stirring this question are two political veterans in the county. Mike Ragsdale served as mayor of Knox County for two terms from 2002 to 2010. John Grease served close to a dozen years on county commission. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Pleasure. Pleasure. We'll get to questions momentarily. First to our panel on the end there is Dennis Francis. He is a Democrat, runs his own firm. Morning. Good morning. Susan Richardson Williams is a Republican. She runs her own PR firm. Good morning, JB. Good morning. And John North runs the digital maestro work at WBIR.com. Morning, John. Uh, let's start with what we know, and that is what Commission decided on Thursday evening in a seven to one vote to say, hey, we want to settle this lawsuit. But, John North, bring us up to speed because you've been integral in reporting kind of where we stand on this. For our viewers who don't know about this pension suit, some background before we hear from our guests. There's been concern brewing behind the scenes for many months about this lawsuit. It was filed earlier this year by the law director. He says he wanted a question resolved about compensation when it came to deputies under the county pension system. Had to do with what they call cash-out days. Uh, the new mayor, Glenn Jacobs, uh, asked commission, hey, let's end this. Let's stop spending all this money. Why are we suing ourselves? Which I, I think is certainly a legitimate question and one a lot of people had. Commission initially didn't want to put it on the agenda. He said, all right, I'll call a special meeting. That's what happened on Thursday. They met, and by a vote of 7 to 1, the commission said, yes, let's end this, please, Mr. Law Director. Now, it's non-binding. It's a resolution, but the pressure is on him. But it's not over yet because we've got a court hearing tomorrow morning before Chancellor Weaver. So, gentlemen, what do you make of how we got here? And, Mayor, we'll start with you. Uh, this appeared to pit the mayor and the law director and partly commission against each other saying, I'm in charge. No, you're in charge. No, I'm in charge. Something very similar happened when I was mayor. We had a lawsuit where the county commission and the school board were suing one another. We came into office, we met with the school board chair, the county commission chair, marched down to the law director's office and said, we've reached a settlement, now file the legal, legal papers, let's get this done. Now, John probably remembers that because you're on the group that voted to affirm what we, our negotiations and that's commission's role. But in this particular case, I think the law director has taken it on himself. Uh, Bud Armstrong's a friend of mine. I applaud his public service, but in this case, I think Mayor Jacobs is game on. As of this past Monday, $657,000 had been spent on legal fees, uh, according to, uh, to the mayor's office, and that's just really unbelievable when you think about it. You're suing yourself with that kind of money. Taxpayer dollars. John Grease, what do you make of where we stand? It, it seems to me to be really stupid on the part of the law director. You've got a county executive and you've got a commission by a vast majority is in favor of getting this behind them and instead for some unexplicable, inexplicable reason, he wants to continue this on. It makes no sense to me. I don't know who's running the ship up there, but if the county executive and the county commission say, let's settle this, that's an easy answer for the law director. Why fight that? It makes no sense. So who should be running the ship up there? And according to the charter, we have a, uh, an elected law director, we have an elected mayor. So how does that work within our charter? I think it works very simplistically. And I, I think uh, you should give Mayor Jacobs a great deal of credit because he is taking charge. He hasn't been in office even two months now. And he's saying, let's put this thing to a rest, let's settle it. In Knox County, we do have an elected law director. 
but I view the law director as a staff attorney, not a person who sets policy, not a person who legislates like a commissioner would. So I view that as a law director's job. To get out and start doing things on your own, I do not think is his job in the least. And John, and John before you weigh in, I just want to put up for our viewers um, what, in fact, the Knox County Charter says. John North helped dig this up about the law director's authority, and it says uh, this in part about uh, his authority to execute and administer all of the legal affairs of the county, including litigation, drafting of contracts or other documents, instruments and papers, the investigation of titles, and to advise and counsel county officials and the commission on all legal matters affecting their respective offices. And then we also have what it says about the mayor's authority. And if we can look at that as well, that will help our viewers understand where the charter is on that having the sole power and authority to enter into contracts on behalf of Knox County, except as otherwise provided in this charter. John Grease. Let's forget all the legal terminology, all the written words. This is a common sense decision on the part of the law director. I don't get it. I mean, so, so it's not going to cost the county any money. It's basically already calculated into the contributions the county has to make to the pension plan over the next 20 years. The actuaries said it's no problem. And the law director, I, either there's somebody that's pulling his strings or he's just way off base. And I'm sure you're a good friend of his and I don't know him. He could be my good friend too, but he, <laughs> this is just a bad mistake on his part. It's terrible public relations. Boy. But Bud was a county commissioner when, when I was mayor. I enjoyed serving with him. I, I think his heart's in the right spot. But I have to agree with John on this as well. This has gone too far down a wrong path, and hopefully it will end on Monday with Chancellor Weaver's decision. Just one more thought about that. So on Thursday, I watched a commissioner from East District. Dave Wright. Dave Wright. Go on and on and stretch out the fact that he eventually got around, after finishing a sentence finally, to saying I'm going to vote against it. Yeah. Why would he vote against it? It makes no sense. There's something the there's something different. Yeah. Well, there were three that well, didn't show up. Others? Yeah, that, that's a good question. <laughs> where were the other three? Are they not the three that voted no in the previous week along with Dave Wright? They were. <laughs> so they just decided not to show up. It's, it's the mayor might know the answer to this because my, uh, my legal clerk, John Norris, uh, failed <laughs> today, refused or neglected. We're having a heck of a time, Mayor, finding two, maybe three counties in the great state of Tennessee that elect a law director, Knoxville obviously being one of them. So it's not, you know, why do we have, why does the mayor, whoever the mayor might be, why does the mayor not have the authority or the power to have their lawyer work for him? And, and you're, you say, you're saying that is unusual, that in Knox County we do elect a law director. Absolutely. Very, very few places yeah. do. It's incredibly unusual, and in a perfect world it wouldn't be that way. <clears throat> I think that the mayor should have legal counsel that he or she picked themselves. And you pick your own uh, lawyer to represent you. Several times when I was mayor, there was conflicts with the uh, law director's office, in which case they very readily said, who do you want to hire? Let's get your own legal counsel. We did that numerous times. Me, never, never a conflict in doing that, however. I have one more question for sure. the mayor. Uh, $650,000? Six fifty-seven. Could the sheriff's department, could the schools, could somebody have used that money? Well, we all know without question they could have, and they could have put it to very good use. Uh, I think our deputies need more uh, salary increases. I think our teachers need salary increases. That's going to be a challenge uh, for this administration. It's been a challenge for every administration. And uh, Mayor Jacobs, I know, would much prefer to spend money in those type of fashions rather than 
uh, on outside legal counsel in a lawsuit, as John mentioned, really doesn't make much sense to the common citizen. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but just about the shape of county government and how it's changed since these gentlemen were in office. We'll be back with that conversation right after this. Back on Inside Tennessee, hope your Sunday morning is starting well, and thank you for starting with us. Former Knox County Mayor Mike Ragsdale with us, former Knox County Commissioner John Grease, also one of our guests. John? Just a little point of clarification since Bud is not here. I asked him if he could be here. He said, I can't because I'm involved in this litigation. I just want to make that clear. We did reach out to him. He has said in the past earlier this year, he's indicated that from his perspective, uh, he was raising the question about use of taxpayer money in terms of the compensation. So just that's where he's coming from. Law did, Director Bud Armstrong. Did, did, just for one quick question, John, did he indicate who his client was in this? That's a great question. I, I, think, that, I think that question, John, has changed. Well, so he has more than one client? Uh, no, he can't. <laughs> that, that's I, what I want. I can, I can help you with that. Yeah, so, so where has this $657,000 gone? I assume it's to pay other lawyers? Well, not to Do be we rhetorical, know? but that's the $657,000 <laughs> question. question. Uh, and uh, I, I'm assuming that it has, that's well, where it's been spent as well. He's hired outside counsel to represent the pension board or the mayor? Who's him. Oh, yeah, represent him. Oh, wait yeah. a minute. So that's so he, to defend the law director? Mm -hmm. That money? Yeah. Wow. I don't know how much of if yeah. that was all. So but I don't but, know, how many, so I don't know so what the bills are. But. The law director has counsel. Does the mayor have counsel at this point? Does the commission have counsel? Don't I don't think so. I thought the law and, and director this. was there. My, my all point there. exactly. And, yeah. and, and that's that's to the point that you you made in the earlier block, Mayor, and, and that's one thing I want to talk about. How do you move forward from this? You were saying, listen, the mayor needs their own counsel, the law directors their counsel, and the commission, it would be helpful if they had their own counsel, and there have been arguments that school board needs its own counsel. How can they all be represented by a law director? Doesn't that present immediate conflicts? conflicts. Well, and as Dennis alluded to, you can't. Mm -hmm. And so, so many times in the past, you've had to, in addition to an elected law director and staff, you have to go out and get outside counsel to represent certain situations. It would be much easier if you just had, uh, everyone had their own legal counsel. Some of it wouldn't even have to be full-time. It could be it's just someone who has a practice and on, on the mm -hmm. side deals with a specific piece of government. And I think that would resolve a, a large part of this issue. So how does the county, if that indeed makes sense to a, a majority of people, <coughs> how does the county move forward with something like that? Is it up to commission to do that, or where do you start? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a charter, charter. charter mm -hmm. amendment, which is an onerous process. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, talk but, about that, how you change I, Well, the I, I'm, I do not want to pretend like I know anything I'm talking about, generally I speaking. I served <laughs> on the charter <laughs> commission. I think you I appointed you, you didn't You did appoint me to the charter commission. We did. and. Uh, there's a charter review process that comes yep. up every, I think, five or six years, something to that effect. And there are a couple of ways to get items uh, to the ballot. A county commission can ask item be placed on the ballot with, I think, a two-thirds majority vote with the current size commission would be eight, I suspect. And then uh, citizens can have a uh, petition to put items on the ballot. But in this particular case, I think it would be wise to look at uh, last time there were a group of elected officials lumped together and uh, to move away from electing them. 
uh, and to appointing them. And I think it'd be best if you voted on them individually. individually. Mm -hmm. and we, we as a democratic society love to vote for people, and, and mm -hmm. I fall in that category too. However, with some positions, it just really doesn't make a great deal of sense in my well, opinion. The city of Knoxville runs fine with Charles Swanson as the law director, and he serves at the pleasure of Merrill Harrell, does he not? I think he does. I think he does. Well. But Dennis, the city of Knoxville doesn't do a whole lot relative to Knox County. Okay, no school system, no jail system, no public health system. It might there's a, there's a lot of work to to cover if you're the law director or a lawyer for the county executive. And, and John makes a good point. I have to weigh in on that too. In addition to no schools, health department, uh, jails, you don't have public libraries, air quality control. That list goes on and on. And that's not knocking those who serve in the city of Knoxville. Uh, I, they were great partners when I was mayor. I couldn't have had a better partner than uh, early on Victor Ash, and then later now Governor Haslam. And it may so it may just uh, create the circumstance where you have uh, more opportunities for conflicts, is what you're saying at the county level. Than True, the and maybe more uh, more need for legal representation as mm -hmm. well. Um, I want to look big picture quickly, John Grease. You were on commission when it was a lot larger. It's now at 11. Um, what do you make of the change in that side of commission and that how the government's functioning in, with a smaller commission? I have two or three thoughts. First of all, it doesn't look to me like they have much fun. Okay. We had fun. I mean, it was. We, I can tell you some stories sometime about the fun we had. Will you tell them on the air, John? Sure. <laughs> I'd be glad to. Second of all. I don't like the reduced size of commission. I mean, as it is in a district now, most people won't know one person, but the odds of knowing two people increase slightly. So if you needed help or wanted to make your opinion known, you'd have at least two people to talk to. So I don't like that. And third, the thing that I notice about commission is that there is no sense of history because they're term limited. You look at the faces on commission, they haven't been there long. So you start talking about a topic like pension boards or pension or the sheriff, and nobody has any recollection. There's no Wanda Moody or Frank Luthold type person that can say, hey, back in 1988, <laughs> this is where this, the genesis of this idea came from. So the historical uh, perspective is gone. Those are my quick three thoughts on that. Mayor Ragsdale, how, what's your impression stepping away from it and looking back? Well, as a mayor, uh, sometimes, particularly in my second term, I would have loved the aspect of having 11. In my first term, 19 was just fine. <laughs> and. Uh, but as a former county commissioner as well, John's right. I think it's very difficult in a part-time job to represent these large districts. And two of the commissioners are elected countywide. Mm -hmm. uh, that becomes almost a full-time position in my mind as uh, you would have as a legislator. John and I served in a district that had um, was incredibly large, and there were three of us that represented it. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you have situations like that. I think if, you're, if you get too small, it really sounds good. But I think it puts a really tough burden on county commissioners. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about voter turnout. These gentlemen have run for office before and know what it's like to have their name on the ballot. We'll talk about who's voting right after this. It's a little bit tough to see, but this shows you just how many people have voted thus far in Knox County, and this is just a few days old as well. More than 50,000, and this is a breakdown of the ages of those voters. Uh, Susan's <laughs> laughing because she needs her glasses. No, I don't. I can see that. I'm More voters in there. This is what you need to know. The, the, the graphics that are really tall. That is people that are in their 60s. They've cast a ballot more than any other age group, almost 14,000 people, the second largest group, 
is in their 70s with 12,000. <laughs> Only about 2,500 people in their 20s have voted. 2,500 people. John North, you were, you were calling counties and tracking this down. What do those numbers say to you? Well, I, I, you know, I mean, everybody is really motivated to vote right now. It's like, by golly, let's get it on right now. I think Except that's Except for those under 25, apparently. Well, there are, you know, there are, I am proud to say congratulations to all of you born in the year 2000, because some of you are voting, more of you should. Some of those do show up, and I think that's kind of awesome that people born in the year 2000 are now voting. That's great. But, but yeah, and, and it's all the way around the... the <coughs> board in terms of what the turnout is. Interestingly enough, like Blount County, same kind of pattern, uh, women outvoting men, 52-48%. Let's look at some of those numbers just as you bring them up. More than 15,000 people have taken advantage of early voting in Blount County, and out of those voters, as we see here, more than 7,000 older than 65. Yeah. Second largest group between the ages of 51 and 65. 224 people between the ages of 18 and 20 have voted in that county. Uh, to our guests, you both have been on the ballot before. What do those numbers tell you? Uh, well, uh, I don't see the Taylor Swift effect yet. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, yes. I mean, really, she got a lot of people registered, allegedly, but it, does it convert to votes? I don't know. You know, I never pay much attention to anything except Election Day and about 8.15, because it's just so hard to tell. You can everybody in the world will tell you they voted for you but if you two months later went and yeah. pulled the voter rolls that there's <laughs> a bunch didn't. of liars that you're dealing whatever it was but talk is cheap but the action is what's important here mayor you were mentioning you live in jefferson county now and you went to the polls there they were busy in your neck of the woods they really were uh, we moved up to douglas lake and uh vote in jefferson county now and today they told me that voter turnout was like a presidential election lots of people coming a uh, steady stream of voters coming in and i think that's good uh we need to go vote in this country and we've been pretty abysmal at it at times so no matter what spurred this on i'm excited about it and hope more and more people will go vote I think it's, I think there's several things. One, I do think there is still a Trump factor. You know, he's gone around the country. He's had 70,000 people show up for a rally mm -hmm. in Texas. Mm -hmm. 63,000 in Johnson City tried to get in to see him. And he's not done yet. And he's still, he may come he's back Chattanooga. to Chattanooga yeah. in Tennessee yeah. for Marshall Blackburn. So I think you have some of that, and there's a lot of that interest. The Kavanaugh hearings, no question made people think about the importance of one vote in the Senate. Yeah. I think everybody in this country looked at that and for the first time maybe thought, gee, this is important. Mm -hmm. So I think both sides, whether you were for Kavanaugh or against Kavanaugh, both sides saw the importance of electing mm -hmm. a senator. That galvanized it did. that question. It did. Dennis, uh, is the blue wave going to happen? We've heard a lot about Democrats really going to the polls and making some changes on Election Day. Do you buy it? No. No. And you're a Democrat? <laughs> yes. And why do you say that? Because I'm a Democrat. <laughs> you're pessimistic. They've been down a long time. He's one of the few around. Down so long, looks like up to me. Mm -hmm. uh, before we let you gentlemen go, um, tell us uh, the biggest surprise we're going to see um, as a result of this election. And you can pick it either on the local, state, or national level. Mayor? I think you're going to see Republicans uh, hang on to the Senate for sure. And I think there's a possibility that we still hang on to the House. So I don't think we've given up on either of those. I think uh, across the country, Democrats think, well, we're going to get the House. I don't really necessarily see that happening. That would be a huge win for this president in a midterm where presidents traditionally, mm -hmm. as John mentioned, don't do well. <coughs> That's um, right. Wh what does that say if you're president? 
carte blanche? <laughs> well, I hope that wouldn't say that to any elected official. <laughs> but uh, you tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work very well for me either. So, uh, but I think that would give the Republican Party a really a stronghold for the next two years if that happens. John, how about you? I'm still trying to decide if the October surprise has shown up yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, this bombing episode may be part of an October surprise. For all I know, there may be, t we've got two weeks or a little less to go. There's no telling what, I mean, it's, it's the, the fanaticism of each side is getting compacted down to a few days, and there's no telling what might actually trigger something. We've also got something. this caravan coming in Mexico. That's a, that's a big issue. That, that could be a plus or a minus for either party. Mm -hmm. I look at this, I'll bet you 60% of people early vote. Mm -hmm. I mean, so an October surprise might not have as much effect as it did 10 years ago. And you know, looking back in the past too, I can remember when we, there were more Democrats on county commission, but the relationship between the Republicans and the Democrats was outstanding. We yeah. wanted what was best for Knox County. There was no, there was no line dividing us. And we typically see that on the local level. There are neighbors, you're next mm -hmm. to them, the D and the R don't matter as much mm -hmm. right. traditionally. Well, thank you both for your perspective. Pleasure to have you on. Good to see you. Great to see you guys. We'll be back with more from our panel right after this. All right, Francis, you were uh, <laughs> pessimistic as a Democrat go, yeah, just moments ago. Um, what would give you hope in the last week and a half of the election? Is there an October surprise, as John Grease mentioned, that you think could galvanize more Democrats and say, hey, we're going to see a bigger turnout at the polls? Uh, historically, the problem is, is that I talk to a lot of people who are Democrats or supportive of the candidates, but somehow just don't get out to the polls. Talking about it doesn't get it done. You got a GOTV, get out to vote, and that's the only way the Democrats are going to win. We need more numbers. Tough to come by here. And Susan, you, your eyes were raised when you saw the number of young people who are not voting. That it holds with tradition, but if you're a Republican, at least in this climate, it seems like a positive thing. Um, yeah, I would like to see more young people vote. I, you know, it, it makes for good citizenship, and, and once they vote, I think they understand the importance of voting. And when you think about Glenn Jacobs, and I go back to that race this year, he won by 17 votes, and then six more were added on from absentees or something. 23 votes elected that man. So think of the people that, you know, that made a difference. So I think we've got a couple of legislative races in, in our county that are pretty close. One of them is going to be Eddie Smith, Gloria Johnson. That one's always within 100 200 votes, 200 votes, votes, something like that. The other one that I'm hearing is close, and I haven't seen polling numbers, is Martin Daniel, Representative Martin Daniel and Greg mm -hmm. McKay. And so people go vote. These, mm -hmm. these elections really do matter. It matters who's in the Senate. It matters who's governor. It matters on the local levels and state representatives. So I encourage everybody to go vote. Whichever way you're going to vote, I hope you'll vote Republican, but John, vote. When when we look at um, the the last run here for especially the the uh, gubernatorial candidates, they've had they've been pretty nice to each other in the debates. Carl Dean and Bill Lee um, promising really not to go negative in television ads. Unlike they, the Senate, and I they might have say. Not, they <laughs> have not done that. Um, is there an issue? Healthcare seems to be the biggest divisive issue. If you're looking at those candidates and trying to decide who, who to choose. Healthcare is it. If if there's some kind of definer where you know Carl Dean, for example, is sticking out. Now I, I have heard commentary that says that elsewhere in the United States, healthcare is an issue that really matters as well to other people, and that Democrats are using that as an issue. They're not afraid to use it. 
But, you know, look at the polling numbers. I, I think the gubernatorial race is over with. Bill Lee's won it. Unlike the Senate race, as you said, uh, that, that the governor's race tight. has been it's fairly tight. mild and You know, the nice. one thing I want to mention, Mike Ragsdale talked about how um, he thinks that the Republicans will keep the Senate. Phil Bredesen told us that same thing. He doesn't think. He, he, that's correct. And they now think they actually might even pick up a seat or two in the Senate, not only hold their own, but pick up one or two. And the House is certainly in play for a while. Wait, wait. You know. dream on, little broomstick cowboy. Let's wait till we count the votes <laughs> we before you start ordering new drapes. We will. <laughs> Thank you for watching Inside Tennessee. You can catch our other episodes online at WBIR.com and listen to our podcast there as well. We hope to see you next week.